Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Donald Trump wins bigly in Iowa while Nikki Haley finishes third and says the following. I can safely say. Tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. But folks, is she actually wrong? We're a year on from the Twitter files starting to be announced and what's exactly changed, plus plenty more to talk about from Iowa. I'm Andrew Coppins. This is a Truth or Fiction Tuesday right here on Critical Thinking. So let's play along. That's right, folks. Truth or Fiction Tuesday, where you can submit your truth or fiction statements to me, and I'll let you know whether I believe them to be truth or fiction. Just very, very simple. You can do so by going over to following me on social media, especially on X. I am at The Coppins Show. If you are not watching and you are listening via podcast, thank you so much for doing so. Make sure you are following or subscribing, your rating, reviewing, whatever you can do on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. But you can also watch this show on X, again, at The Coppin Show. You can watch us on our Rumble channel. I am at uh, rumble.com backslash critical thinking there. And that's where you can find the show. You can also join the critical thinking community over on Locals, where you will get this show every single day delivered directly into your inbox. Um, so you can do various things to watch the show, to listen to the show, to support the show, you just go to our fine friends over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. That's right, coffeebrandcoffee.com, where they care about really, really good coffee and nothing else. What a novel concept for a business, caring about their product over their politics, your politics, or any politics in general. Go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout. Again, that's Promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today. That is coffeebrandcoffee.com. Promo code CRITICALTHINKER for 10% off of great coffee today. All right. All of that being said, a ton to get into on the program. And first things first, Donald Trump 
wins the Iowa caucus. The vast majority of the delegates from Iowa are going Donald Trump's way. And just how big was Trump's win last night? That's what I want to start off with. Well, it actually is more than doubled the largest ever victory in an Iowa GOP caucus. Besting, that's right, doubling, not just besting, but doubling the victory for, wait for this name, Bob Dole, not in 1996, but in 1988. That's right, Bob Dole won Iowa in 1988, where George H.W. Bush goes on to win the presidency. Now, that's a huge win. That's a massive win. But folks, there's some trouble brewing in some of the numbers that come from Iowa. And we're going to get into that because I think it's important to break it down to understand and to question whether or not, again, strategically speaking, this is the right move. It is one thing to win bigly by the percentage points and all of that, but we have to take a bigger view of some of these things. Speaking of which, Nikki Haley didn't finish second, like I said she wouldn't. She also didn't finish fourth, like I said she would, but, but, I understand that's why she was being mocked in the clip that we played up front. There's more to that story too, though. You see, actually looking forward, she's not necessarily wrong, and more on that in just a bit. But let's get back into the numbers and into the results of Donald Trump's big win. Because some of them I find very alarming for a GOP victory, not just on the front line of the ticket, but down the ballot. And that's exactly what we have seen 2022, special elections in 2023, on and on and on, is that there might be some very fervent MAGA Forever support out there. But it's not translating to winning elections and winning for liberty going forward. So the first number that I find troubling is this. Overall, the turnout in Iowa for the first contested primary since 2016, the first real contested, screw you, Joe Walsh, there, there was no real contest in, 20, in 2020, but in 2016. So let's compare the apples to the apples. Turnout down 41%. But Andy, you just saw massive amounts of of awful winter weather, right? You're right. Weather played a part in that. A part. Because here's the reality. Yeah, it was it's it's awful. It's terrible. Honestly, it's the worst weather I have seen since I actually took my visit to Iowa State University back in 2007. Okay? Where I literally drove through driving sleet that turned into ice, that turned into snow. We had about an inch of snow. Then it became ice on top. 
Then it became sleet, and then we had about 8 to 10 inches of snow all in one storm. And the reason why this sucked so bad is because this was two storms in one. We had the absolutely massive amount of snow that hit Iowa. You had the blowing snow then that turned to sleet and turned to ice because it became um, negative 14 last night when the caucus began in most parts of the state of Iowa. That's butt cold. But it was also really cold on Sunday. Also really cold yesterday. Making that snow that they got really treacherous to deal with, really hard, literally, to deal with. So I will give you that weather played it a factor. But we're talking about turnout being down 41%. Weather's not the only issue, okay? Weather didn't say, you know what? Ah, screw it. That, that's not how Iowa works when it comes to the caucus. Iowa is used to dealing with the weather. Iowa is used to, yeah, okay, well, we got to plow ourselves out or, uh, well, the county is not going to do it or the municipality is not going to do it. We're going to do it for ourselves. They're used to it. That's the reality. Some people probably did decide to stay home because of the weather, because of health concerns with the weather, right? Maybe the boomers are staying home because they can't deal with, you know, negative 14 and its implications. And that's all, all of it, fine and dandy. But here's the rub with that. I can't abide that as the only excuse. Now, what do we also know is in the mix? I hinted at this a little bit ago when I told you that we also have seen problems with turning out the electorate, turning out the base, people wanting to be activated in Team GOP politics writ large. That's what's actually driving the vast majority. I guarantee you, if you wanted to talk about what the mix is of that 41% decline, I'm guessing it's at least 70-30, if not 80-20. 20% being weather or 30% being weather. It's not 50-50. It's not 70-30 the other way. It's not 80-20 weather. It's 20-80 weather or 30-70 weather. That means people don't care. That means people are not turning out in numbers. And when we look at what's important for a potential Donald Trump victory down the road, it is what? It's likely that he's going to win Iowa, okay? That's the reality of that. But let me ask you about Wisconsin, Arizona. Let's talk about Michigan, potentially, although I think there's some problems their period amen for anybody in the GOP. <clears throat> but let's talk about Pennsylvania. Let's talk about Ohio, which could be in play. Let's talk about Texas even. Yes, Texas. Let's talk about all of those things and ask yourself this. If the GOP base is depressed now, is unwilling to have at it in an open primary, in an open caucus, 
unwilling to say, you know what? Yeah, it's worth me braving some of the weather and I'm going to turn out at whatever percentage. That's a problem come November when there's still the potential for early storms and bad weather and this, that, and everything else in between when you actually have to go and, and physically vote or mail it in before, well before, whatever that state's going to allow. Furthermore, digging further into the numbers that tell me it wasn't just the weather is this. Trump's biggest base has largely been a white evangelical base. That is the absolute reality of that situation. In 2016, that represented 64% of caucus goers. As Donald Trump now didn't win, finished second behind Ted Cruz, right? And then catapulted him forward. He had momentum coming out of Iowa. 64% in 2016. They represented just 55%. And you could say, well, we also know what about um, identification of Christianity and this, that, and everything else. Yes, that is less overall in America. But in Iowa, you're not losing nine percentage points in, what, eight years? That's just not happening. What it means is that that group wasn't all that interested in really turning out for anybody. And if you can't get them to be active now, again, will they be active in November? Will more evangelicals suddenly show up, hold their nose, and vote Trump in November? I don't know the answer, but my guess would be if they didn't want to do it now, not a whole hell of a lot's going to change between now and November with a caveat, of course, with a massive caveat of what's going to happen with lawfare in Donald Trump. Now, here's the other part of this that is a problem and was always a problem and is going to always be a problem that needs to be watched for Donald Trump, and that's urban, suburban, exurban GOP voters. In fact, he was at 51% in the overall caucus vote, right, in the state. In the four most populous counties, so I believe that would represent, um, I'm trying to think about this, Ankeny, so it would represent Des Moines, Davenport, Cedar Rapids, and I'm trying to think of the fourth. But the four most populous counties, okay, he didn't get 51% of the vote. He got 41% of the GOP vote. Why does that matter? Again, my question is that 10% difference if that is a 10% depression in the urban, the most populous parts of a already rural state, that's the populace you need to turn out and vote for you in large numbers to 
really represent in other locales like this, right? So if you were to take Des Moines and make it, let's say, Green Bay, because I think that's a really good representation, Green Bay, Appleton, in the state of Wisconsin, that area. You, Donald Trump, cannot win the state of Wisconsin by getting 41% of the suburban vote in Green Bay and in the Appleton area. You've got to win 50, 60, 55 to 60% of that vote. This number tells me that the team GOP, when you are underrepresented in the most populous areas of the, the state, has a significant problem mathing when you are dealing with larger populations. And I've talked about this for a long time in the state of Wisconsin. There is a formula. If you have 60% in Milwaukee County, you must have 62 to 64 or 65% in Waukesha County, right next door to its west. You must win Ozaki County by more than 55%. You must also win Brown County, Outagamie County by more than 55%. To do what? To take away the urban center that is Milwaukee and the urban center that is Madison. You've got to find a way to math. And that means finding a way to activate suburban voters to vote for you, to not not show up, to actually show up at the polls to vote for you. The math doesn't math. He is underrepresented by 10 percentage points in urban areas. That's not good going forward. Now, is Iowa a pure representation of those numbers? Not necessarily, but let's take a look at South Carolina. Let's take a look at New Hampshire and see if that trend continues. And if it does, uh uh-oh, because it is exactly the trend that took place in terms of underrepresentation in urban, suburban, exurban, whatever you want to call it, areas in 2022 and in, in 2023. The underrepresentation, you can't win by just winning the rural vote. You've got to win or break close to even in these areas. You absolutely must to win in states like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. You cannot win by winning the rural vote at 65% and then only 40%. doesn't work. The math does not work. Now, again, why does all of it matter? Why does the suburban vote matter? Ask yourself what group, quote-unquote, cost him the election, broke more for Joe Biden than in the previous election for Hillary Clinton. Suburban moms and suburban dads actually were underrepresented in the voting populace last general election. That trend seems to be playing itself out once again inside the GOP, let alone the more broader perspective. And oh, by the way, the question of independents and Democrats, they only represented about 21% of the total vote, and they broke massively, massively, not for Ron DeSantis, but for Nikki Haley. That's a problem 
in this whole scenario. Now, there's a formula for Donald Trump to win. I've laid it out. He has to find a way to activate Team GOP's base on a much larger scale. Ever since 2020, in which we got, what, way more, he got the most votes by any incumbent president in the history of this country is a totality of the vote. Still lost, quote-unquote, right? So what do you do with that? (coughs) You have to find different ways to win. All right. Now, there's still more to the mix, by the way, much more to the mix, such as... um, what was a win, if anything, for Ron DeSantis on the night? Because I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of underwhelmed by his performance. There's at least one area in which he won, and that's in the age gap. Again, I would suggest you go ahead and watch on X. You can follow me at The Coppin Show there, where this show will be. You can also go to the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Make sure you subscribe and uh, give it a plus. Uh, but Ron DeSantis won a important category, sort of, kind of. He bested Donald Trump by 14 points in the 17 to 29 age group. And you might say, what the hell, 17 to tw- 17? Because if you are going to be 18 by the time of the general election, you are allowed to vote in the caucus. I think that's a really smart thing because it is part and parcel of the process in the year in which you are able to vote in the general election. I like it. That's great news. You won the youth vote by a wide margin. Um, There's still a massive problem for Ron DeSantis in this. What is said problem, you might be asking? Well, the said problem is that um, he didn't win any other category, and Donald Trump won every other category. Donald Trump won 41% of the 30 to 44 vote, 52% of 45 to 64-year-olds, and 65 or older broke at a 56 to 17 clip with Nikki Haley coming in second in that group at 24%. There's also a problem if you're not watching and not paying attention in the fact that... um, the win that Ron DeSantis had represented just 9% of the GOP caucus goers. Donald Trump's biggest win came in the 65 or older category, and that represented, now now wait for this, <clears throat> 43% of the electorate. 43%, folks. Sound like a problem to you? Because it sounds like one to moi. That's all problem. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, this also leads me to the future for Ron DeSantis, who finished second, and Nikki Haley, who finished third. Because only one of them seems to have a path forward at all, which brings me to my first truth or fiction statement. Truth or fiction. Are you ready for this one? The only real challenger to Trump is Nikki Haley. You might be saying, say, what? You might be saying that. But, again, I encourage you, either go to X, at the Coppin Show, or Rumble, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, because let's take a look forward. And I think the answer is truth, because as we look at New Hampshire, New Hampshire, the polling says Donald Trump is leading with 43.4% of the vote. But let's take a look. If you were to look at this, the trend line of Ron DeSantis to Nikki Haley is exactly inverse. Donald Trump has been pretty steady since October in that number of people that are voting for him or supporting him. It's gone down a little bit, but he's somewhere in the range of 45 to 43 to 40, 45 to 40% on average since October. Nikki Haley is repping around 30% today. Ron DeSantis about 7 or 8%. Nikki Haley in New Hampshire is not taking votes away from Donald Trump. She is absolutely eating into Ron DeSantis and eating Ron DeSantis's lunch when it comes to New Hampshire. That, my friends, is the reality of this situation. 100% the reality. Now, you could say, but that's just New Hampshire. Well, the same thing is happening in South Carolina. Now, Donald Trump holds a 54.6% lead, which is pretty much insurmountable, I believe, in that state. But Nikki Haley sits at about 25-ish percent, while Ron DeSantis is at about 15 or so percent. But when you take a look at the graphs, when you take a look at the trend lines of the 538, the, the average of the polling, Quite literally, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis' support are literally linked together as to whom is taking whom's support away. They're not taking Donald Trump's support away in any way, shape, or form right now. That's the reality that is in front of us if you take a look at that information. So with that all being said, what do we make of it? We make of it this. Nikki Haley is the only real challenger left in the field to Donald Trump. But South Carolina and New Hampshire and Iowa aren't the end-all be-all. You are correct. But if you are Ron DeSantis, you're being doubled up by Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley has eroded all of your support base in South Carolina right now. What do you do with that? How do you win? Which leads me to this conclusion on all of it it's actually probably over. The reality of this is 
Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley had to win Iowa to have a shot going forward. They didn't do it. They didn't perform well. Now, this leads me to another truth or fiction. And this one coming from the former co-host, but also working behind the scenes still, Mr. Padoni, who, by the way, participated in truth or fiction, which you can do. I tweet out or post on X every single Monday afternoon asking you for your truth or fiction statements. You can send them in to me. Just comment back to that, and I will go ahead and put them on the show. But Pat has this truth or fiction. Truth or fiction, with Donald Trump, <clears throat> with Donald Trump's victory in the Iowa caucus, there is no point in other states continuing to have primaries, as it is clear he will be the nominee. Hmm. What is the point of primaries going forward? That's actually a really good question to ask. My answer to that is because that's the point to let the voters actually speak. Does that mean that the primary isn't over? No. Other states should do that. There is a process. You don't just hand delegates away. No. The only way that that actually would happen is if all of them drop out of the race and pledge their delegates to Donald Trump. Because lest you forget that last night, Donald Trump didn't earn all of the delegates. He earned the vast majority of them. But Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis have delegates in their back pocket. I think Vivek might have gotten one delegate. I'm not totally sure on that. But point being... No, you don't undemocratize a demo uh, democratic process here. Yes, all their states should be holding their primaries. Let the people speak, and if they speak up until Super Tuesday or through the month of February, and it's Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, so what? Have at it. These states have already spent the money on the ballots. They've already spent the money on the physical apparatus, blah, 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 blah. It's already been spent. It's going through the motions. I understand that, but you don't take away the voice of the people just because uh, of an inevitable result. Let them speak. There's no harm in that because the point of this is what? For me, twofold. Number one, let's let the people speak. And if they speak with Donald Trump, okay. But then who actually is the second choice? I think that's the real battle at hand. And I think it's an important question to ask, considering the lawfare, considering all of the things that are going on. Now, I know Iowa overall is a very different animal than New Hampshire or South Carolina. I know that Nikki Haley is surging in the polls. Pulling it all from, well, most from the DeSantis side of things, which I don't understand because... Nothing about these two people are even remotely similar. But I go back to my truth or fiction. Is there a path forward for Ron DeSantis? I don't see it. He had to win in Iowa for that path to exist. That's the reality. The other reality is you cannot pull 
the primary process away from the people. They don't do it when there's an incumbent, by the way. Now, do the vast majority of people not show up? Absolutely, you're right. But they still go through the process. They still go through the machinations because it's how it works. It's how it'd be different if the GOP changed its rules and said, well, if nobody else is running, we're not going to run our primaries. That would be a different story, except for there are at least three viable candidates right now running. You let the people speak. So I'm going to go absolutely fiction there, one Patoni. But, but, I actually have a second truth or fiction for you. And that second truth or fiction is this. The Twitter files hasn't changed anything with social media and government censorship, which is a story I think we need to be paying attention to despite all that took place in Iowa last night because the Twitter files are about a year old now, which brings me to answering this, whether it's truth or fiction. The Twitter files hasn't changed anything with social media and government censorship. The answer to that for me is absolutely truth. 1,000% truth. Because let's think about this, okay? About a year ago, right, we started to get the releasing of the Twitter files with Matt Taibbi and then, um, uh, was it Barry Weiss and a few others um, that were working on it. And it detailed one of the most insane stories in my view, at least in my lifetime, especially one of the most insane stories of American espionage on its own citizens. Government, plus the stakeholders and the holders of the keys to not just social media, but our tech lives in general, were colluding together to censor things that they didn't want you to say, whether that was COVID. January 6th, the 2020 election, we can go on and on and on. The Twitter files exposed all of this. Thank you to Elon Elon Musk for allowing them the access to this and, and pushing this forward. Whether you were a big fish or a small fish, there was proof that they were censoring you all. Shadow banning, outright bans, um, demonetization, da 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 whatever it was all at the collusion and behest of government coercion, the FBI asking for it, the spying going around the Constitution for the CIA and the NSA, where they would just magically have volunteered information, quote-unquote, from various social media and tech companies. Take a look at what's going on with January 6th and big business, by the way, where bank accounts and um, your cell phone data just being handed over, warrantless handing it over. Don't know what to do with that. But let's focus in on the Twitter files here. Let me ask you a simple question. Has anything actually changed? Now, it is true that you have a much more free speech-driven owner of X in Elon Musk. But his pick for CEO 
not exactly a big fan of not censoring people. If she had her druthers, that's exactly what she would be doing. Has anybody really even lost their job, per se? Now, Musk did fire, um, I can't remember his name, it was James something or another, um, but he was a former FBI guy, right, who then moved to be the legal counsel for Twitter and magically was a linkage between FBI censorship and Twitter's censorship wants and needs. Now, he did fire that individual, but has that individual had any real, real consequences, or did he just get another job somewhere else doing the same thing, pulling the same strings? Did he just go back to the FBI? Did he go back into the intelligence community? Where, where did he go? Has anything really changed? No. And it's because you and I have gone into our shells again, gone into the cozy life. We've made it, oh, so cozy and fun again. We've gone on to other things. We've looked at the new shiny things and da-da-da-da-da. But let me ask you this. Could the Twitter files be something? Absolutely they could. They exposed something, but it's, again, a question of what are we willing to do about it? What is our political will? Is this important to us? I would argue if you don't have free speech, you don't have anything at all. And it is one of the most vital portions of liberty. Absolutely it is. My ability, the ability of bigger, 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 bigger names to speak like they speak is a vital service to our liberties. And as those names get censored, as my name gets censored, as all of that stuff gets taken down, demonetized, deplatformed, hard to find, it's dangerous for our quote-unquote democracy, for our republic, for your liberty. By the way, that's free speech that you don't like as well as you know, speech that you do like. No question in my mind that it's important. But just like COVID-19, what reckoning has come? Don't know the answer, folks. I really don't. I don't get it. But we have more on Iowa because Pat also had a truth or fiction question around Iowa. Pat says, truth or fiction, endorsements for Trump with all of his legal troubles are stupid moves politically. This one I'm going fiction on, and here's why. I'm going fiction on this because that's not true at all. They're smart political moves. Why? Because riding Donald Trump's coattails has worked for a lot of people. It's won them some elections. Now, he's also hurt some people, right? He's also been kind of an albatross around their necks. But the reality is, if you're into grifting, if you are into finding ways to gain power for yourself, sucking up to Donald Trump and his narcissistic ego, yeah, that's going to get your results. It's as simple as that for me. 
So endorse Donald Trump all you want. Politically speaking, what price is there to pay? He is the leading, most likely nominee for Team GOP. And getting a piece of that pie, and you see what he did to Vivek, who he just tried to destroy, personally destroy, okay? Vivek turns around and endorses him last night after dropping out of the race. Why? Because kissing the ring of Donald Trump is a smart political move. It's also smart because now you get to go out and be what? A champion of, I hate the the really dumb moves of what? The dumb moves of political persecution by the uh, current administration, right? You, you, you get a bully pulpit. You also get access to Donald Trump. You get to use Donald Trump for your gain, and he gets to use you for his gain until you are become no longer useful to him, and then he'll dump you like, you know, yesterday's bad news. But point of the matter is this. There's no downside to that endorsement right now. There's a downside later on, potentially, just like there is for everybody else, ask Jenna Ellis, ask a myriad of other people what that's like. But the reality is that politically, it's a very smart move because you become part of the movement, right? You become part of MAGA forever. You become part of that crowd. And that has implications clearly based off of what we saw from the vote last night in Iowa. It has implications. Does that mean that that's what I would necessarily do? No. But I will say this. The politically smart move is to be on the side of Donald Trump when it comes to lawfare, when it comes to political prosecutions that are coming down the pipe. That's absolutely true. I would fight that to the death because it's ugly, it's sick, it's wrong. It's things that third world dictators do. And we're watching it play itself out right now because here's the rub on all of it. These are things that Hillary Clinton, Mike Pence, you could name names, 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 Joe Biden, blah, 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 down, down into almost forever that have committed, quote unquote, the crime of what Donald Trump did in Mar-a-Lago and keeping private records that were top secret and this, that, and whatever have you. They've all done it. So why aren't they all prosecuted? Well, it turns out that in the grand scheme of things, meh, right? Unless there's really, really bad secrets being kept and really nefarious reasons for it happening, meh. Well, it turns out these are probably almost impossible to follow laws and regulations, if you will. There are good reasons to be on this side of, hey, I don't like the lawfare, so endorse Donald Trump and get some benefit from it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it's politically smart, not politically not smart or politically bad. There's absolutely no downside to that endorsement in my view. What say you guys? Again, you can follow on X on Facebook at The Coppin Show. Let me know what you think of the program. And with that, folks, I hope you all have a really good Tuesday. And of course, as always, 
Please be smart, be safe, be kind, make sure you eat all of your meals, and Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.